You are listening to the Midtown Church Podcast, a ministry that exists to make Jesus known. Well, good morning again, everybody. Uh, If you're a guest, uh, we're in the last couple of weeks of a summer series on the Ten Commandments. And so our text today is Exodus 20. That's just home base because it's just one verse that we're looking at today, the the Ninth Commandment. Uh, As you find that text, I want to pause and pray and then we'll spend some time walking through this this all-important commandment. Uh, Let's pray together. Uh, Father, if your law, if your word had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Um, Your word is a delight to us, uh, Father. Uh, And we thank you that that you do speak to us, that you're not a God who, who stands afar and just watches us, but has spoken to us and continues to speak to us by way of the written word that we're going to look at today, by way of the Holy Spirit in us, by way of the the spiritual gifts that you have given to us. Uh, Speak to us, and I thank you for speaking to us. Guide us today, I pray. Help me as I teach, but help me to be as good a listener as anybody else, uh, for this is for all of us. And I pray and thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was uh, saying to Pat this week, just kind of hanging out in his office, and uh, I said to him that there are certain topics, um, passages that, I, that I'll come to in my preparation that I, I just realize when I start, to get, start getting into them that I just haven't considered deeply enough the implications of, of what, I'm, what I'm looking at. Today's is one of those. The Ninth Commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 16 you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Uh, first off, uh, one, one thing that jumped out to me, I don't know if it jumps out to you, is just simply, why does it read this way? Um, the reason why I ask is because the previous commands, the three that lead up to this one, they don't read this way. If, if you take a look at them um, in verses 13 and on, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, but now we get this longer, you shall, shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Why doesn't it just say simply, you shall not lie? It seemed like it would be a lot more simple. I mean, technically, this is a command against perjury. Technically. This is a command against standing up in a courtroom and not telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Does that mean, though, that other forms of lying are okay? That really this is just specifically about perjury, about courtroom drama and all that kind of stuff? Well, obviously not. Uh, In Proverbs chapter 6, there are six things laid out, actually seven, six things that God hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And if you go to that text, two of those seven have to do with lying or bearing false witness. But perjury especially when bearing false witness against a neighbor, is an an example of something most severe. Just like murder is an example of something most severe, and just like adultery is something that exemplifies something most severe, but so is standing in public, in a public forum, and 
defaming someone else. That's why it's against the law today. That's why we can sue for defamation of character. But as we know, and we fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus arrives and his teaching raises the bar where he says in the Sermon on the Mount that not only is murder wrong, as as we've seen throughout this series, but so is hatred and so is anger. And not only is adultery wrong, but so is lust. And, And not only is bearing false witness against our neighbor wrong, but Jesus says we should be a people where our yes is yes and our no is no. Three parts to this message this morning. We're just going to divide it into three sections. First, we're going to look at how we lie. What are the ways that you and I lie? Um, And we have many categories. So that's part one. Secondly, we're going to consider why we lie. Like what is the root? What is the essence behind it? behind all our line, and then we're going to end with the consideration of what we should do instead, and then we'll respond, and then we'll enjoy the rest of the sunshine in the last Sunday of August. Sad, 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 sad. So let's begin, all right, by considering how we lie, which again, shouldn't be hard, difficult, because we're really good at it. We have a lot of categories for it. Um, the Bible has a lot of categories. So let's, let's do this rather quickly. I, I don't want to spend a majority of our time here, but what are some of the ways we lie? Well, we've looked at one already that the Bible speaks of, and that's perjury. Perjury is taken very seriously in the Bible. It's taken very seriously in our courtrooms too. There, there's a reason why we stand up in a courtroom, right? Put one hand on a Bible, raise the other one, and swear to tell the truth the whole whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help us God. There's a reason behind that. Canadian Canadian law says that you can be put in jail for up to 14 years for, for perjury. But the Old Testament penalty is even tougher than that. Uh, you can read it behind me, Deuteronomy chapter 19. We read, if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother. Wow. So be careful what you say. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. Wow. It's been said that to commit perjury is, in effect, calling on God as a witness to your lie while also endangering another image bearer. So that's one way, perjury. Uh, There's more. A second way that we lie is by slander. Uh, What is slander? Well, slander is speaking falsely about someone so as to ruin their reputation. Uh, Throughout the New Testament, we see constant um, instruction talking about how we are to put away all slander. In contrast, in Ephesians 4 verse 29, we are to be people who edify, which simply means we are to be people who build up and and don't tear down. So that's another category, slander. A third, gossip and rumor. Gossip and rumor uh, don't pass on lies necessarily. They can be the passing on of truths, but they're still instructed or we are instructed against it. We're not to pass on things that hurt another. Uh, A lot of this takes place today online. Um, or, 
or by email or text message or, or whatever. It was a big deal again in the New Testament. Uh, Paul, uh, writing to Timothy, in First uh, Timothy chapter 5, he's addressing a situation that's come up in the church there where there were young widows in the church. Tragic. Uh, young women that had lost their husbands. And the question that Timothy is asking, Paul, that he is addressing in chapter 5 is, should we take care of them? Meaning, should, should they be put on a roll and we take care of them? Look after them. And Paul's answer is, they need to stay busy. <laughs> if they can get remarried, they should get remarried. What they shouldn't do is just simply hang out. And he goes and he says this, again, you can read this behind me, 1 Timothy chapter 5. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips. There's our word in busy bodies, saying what they should not. My point in taking us there is I don't think it's just young widows who have this temptation. We all have a temptation towards gossip and rumor. Another category, flattery and exaggeration. What is flattery? Well, flattery is saying something to another just simply to gain their favor. So it's self-serving. Uh, the Bible refers this, uh, to this as being double-hearted. Exaggeration, um, as we know, is saying something that represents it as better or worse than it really is. And we're really good at exaggeration. Really good at this. You never listen to me. Right? You never help out around here. You, you, you never hang your towel up. I'm just making these up. I've never heard these before, just so you know. I'm just <laughs> pulling them out of thin air. I always have to do this. This is the worst day ever. Can you imagine having the worst day ever? Like we've had a lot of bad days in our history. To have the worst one, that's exaggeration. Another category, a few more, white lies. White lies. And we've got hundreds of these. I'm only five minutes away. It sounds like you're in the shower. I'm only five minutes away. I just love your sweater, right? That one, you've had that one. <laughs> that vomit green is a becoming color. It looks wonderful on you. <laughs> Groan, you groaned it, vomit green. Okay, I'll lock that away and make sure not to say it again. This is calling in sick when we're not. Saying, I'll be praying for you when we won't. Saying, I can't make it my kids not feeling well when, when they are. This, this is saying, I was just kidding, or I was only joking when we know we weren't. Uh, Proverbs chapter 26, just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. The fact that we have a category called white lies testifies to how, how prevalent lying is, but this too is bearing a false witness. Another one, half-truths. Half-truths contain no lie, 
but the motive is to deceive. And what we're called to in, in 1 Peter 2.1 is put away all deceit and not just gauge, hey, what came out of my mouth wasn't a lie. No, but you want to deceive. A couple more. False teaching. Uh, teaching that misleads or distorts or deceives intentionally or not. Because some false teaching is unintentional. It's just out of a place of ignorance or what have you. I have no doubt there are many messages that I could look back on and go, oh my, oh my. So intentionally or not, of, of his teaching ministry, uh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, that we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. That tamper with God's word was uh, uh, a word that was borrowed from the making of wine, where wine was watered down. When wine, wine was watered down, it was being tampered with. And Paul says, we don't do that. Nor do we use cunning. Nor do we, do we try to dupe people into coming to draw a crowd. Those types, those types of things. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. False teaching today oftentimes shows up in ministries who refuse to teach the whole counsel of God. Not shown so much in what is said, but, but what's not said. And, and just to focus on the sort of the happy clappy parts, that's common today. One, one last way we lie, and that is by way of a hypocritical life. See, what is, what is the ninth commandment? The ninth commandment is to not bear false witness. The idea of being a follower of Christ and a witness of Christ is a big deal in the scriptures. So if you are a Christian, this has huge implications for you. Hypocrisy can show up when we worship God with our mouths, but our hearts are far from him, that's, that's a hypocrisy that no one sees, but it's there. It's bearing a false witness. And then there's the hypocrisy of saying one thing and doing another. Regardless, it's just playing a part. Like an, an actor on a stage, which is where the word hypocrisy is borrowed from, bearing a false witness, playing a part, just acting out a a role before our neighbors and, and lying about who we claim to be. So there you are. That's how we lie. I, I told you that we have a, a lot of categories. But here's the thing. As I reflected on this this week, I, I confess that I am guilty of all of them. All of them. And some of them are way too prominent in my life today. James writes... That the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, my sisters, these things ought not to be so and I don't want them to be so, but they are. And why? Why? Because I want to impress others. or protect myself, or, or make myself look better, make myself look 
a particular way, feel better about myself. Some of the reasons why. Because as I heard someone say this week, because there's only one thing you and I fear more than death, and that's shame. That's why people are willing to take secrets to the grave. And, and so even though we want ministries to teach the whole counsel of God, and we do, right? We're oftentimes scared to death to, the reveal, to reveal to others the whole self of us. And so what do we do? We just present the happy clappy parts. Your social media presence, the real you. Oh, if only, right, if only, I'd be the greatest husband and dad in the world. Sometimes I'm a, a lot more like King Saul. Remember King Saul, big, strapping, good-looking guy, Israel's first king, hidden shoulders above everybody else. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, he, he's going into battle against the Amalekites and Samuel the prophet, God through Samuel says, I don't want you to plunder anything. Destroy it all. Saul doesn't. He and his soldiers re remove all of the beasts, all of the animals, all of the cattle, all of the sheep, and bring it back. Samuel confronts Saul, says, Saul, did you bring back the animals? He says, no. And then he hears, bah. It's like, what's that? And then Saul says to Samuel, well, Samuel, the reason why we brought him back is so we can sacrifice some of them to the Lord. That's a half-truth. But I wonder if my sacrifice in one area has ever been used as, a, as an excuse for disobedience in another. That, that scene is the famous scene where Samuel says to Saul, obedience is more important than sacrifices. So I get King Saul. How about Peter? I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. Talk about bearing false witness. But I'm guilty too of not confessing Christ in certain situations because I've been scared of the implications. I've never said, I don't know Jesus, but there's been plenty of times where I've said nothing. How about you? Potiphar's wife. She lied about Joseph attempting to rape her. Talk about evil slander. Got thrown into jail. But has anything ever come out of your mouth that was meant to hurt the reputation of another? And isn't it scary in how good it makes you feel in the moment? Adam and Eve, poster children for this. Adam, did you eat the fruit? Not my fault. The woman, 
you gave me. She gave it to me. Your fault. Not me. On you and her. Eve, did you eat the fruit? The devil made me do it. Half-truth. Another one. Judas. Remember Judas? That money that was just poured on Jesus' feet could have been taken and given to the poor. (laughs) That's true, Judas, but you're not being honest. Some great half-truths all meant to deceive in, in Midtown. I stand before you and say before you that I'm guilty of the same. So many examples, right? But if that's how we lie, and those are some of the examples of how, then why do we lie? You ever thought about it? It almost seems like a stupid question. Why do we lie? Well, we lie because of the implications of the truth coming out. We lie because lying enables us to get something that being truthful won't allow us to have. We we lie because it's easier. We lie because it's safer, whatever. It It benefits us. It gets us out of a jam, whatever it is, at least in the short term. But that doesn't get to the root of the problem. It doesn't get to the essence. It doesn't get to ground zero on why we lie. And nor, here's why I want to spend a couple of minutes here. Nor does it explain why lying is so serious in the story of God. So let's consider it. And I want you to consider it with me by having you in your mind's eye. You can turn there if you want. Acts chapter 5. Let me set the stage. Early stages of the church. We have a husband and wife team named Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira have a piece of property. And they say to themselves, we're going to sell the piece of property and we're going to give part of the proceeds to the church. The problem, the problem is they told the church they were giving it all to them. Why would they do that? Well, we know why they would do that. Makes them look generous. Makes them look sold out to Jesus. Makes it look like they're all in. But you know what? Those aren't the primary reasons. The primary reason I believe, and you can argue with me if you want, that's fine. Coming out of Acts chapter 4, the chapter before, we have this piece of information from Luke that says a man named Barnabas sold a piece of property took all of the proceeds and gave it to the church. And then in Acts chapter 5, now you've got Ananias and Sapphira, but they only want to give part of the proceeds. But how would that make them look? Not as sold out as Barnabas. Not not as supportive of the ministry as Barnabas. Make, Make them look a little greedy, perhaps. This is what is in their mind's eye. Whatever it is, they bring part and lay it at the apostles' feet. Listen to what Peter says in Acts chapter 5. Ananias, at this stage only he is there, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Really important question. And to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? Meaning you could have done whatever you wanted with it. You didn't have to sell it. 
And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? So if you sold it for $10,000 and you just wanted to give $1,000 or $500, it's up to you. No obligation. Then he asks a second really all-important question. And with it, we get our answer. Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. There's our answer. Why do we lie at the essence of our lives? Why do we lie? Two reasons. Number one, we have an enemy, Satan, who is described by Jesus as a liar from the beginning, the father of lies. And number two, because of our hearts, which are described as wickedly deceptive in Jeremiah 17, 9, and Jesus adds, is out of our hearts in Matthew 15, that false testimony and slander come. So we have our hearts, we have an enemy who's described as a father of lies, wicked alliance, wicked alliance that comes together and is shown when Peter asks, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? Now let's, big community group together, let's consider What would Satan have filled Ananias' and Sapphira's heart with? Well, probably the same thing he would fill our hearts with. Things like, you're still giving money. Church is coming out ahead. What's the big deal? You're doing more than most. Who else is selling property and giving it to the church? You may not be Barnabas, but you're pretty great. And and why should Barnabas get all of the accolades? So I would guess Satan (laughs) filled their hearts with stuff like that, and so they lie. But here's the thing, there's more. Because what stands out most about this event is that Peter didn't say Ananias, you lied to the church. He doesn't say, Ananias, you lied to the apostles. He says, you lied to the Holy Spirit, God himself. Now, all important question, how is that? Well, one answer, or at least part of the answer is, well, in places like Psalm 51, we read there that all sin ultimately is against God. That's when David confesses his sin with Bathsheba, but I don't think Peter meant that here. When when Peter questions Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? He's asking Ananias, what's going on in your heart? What was going on in your heart that made, made your heart such easy fodder? I think what Peter meant by way of his question is that every lie, please hear me, Midtown, every lie is a bold statement of unbelief against God. Ananias, what's going on with your heart? What are you not believing about God that has led to this deception? Ananias, where do you think God is lying to you that has led you to lie to him and to us? What does Satan fill our hearts with most often? God's holding out on us. 
He can't be trusted. You know better. I know better. We deserve more. He fills our hearts with that kind of thing all the time. He's doing that, been doing that from the beginning. And what we've been doing is we've been biting ever since. And the lies follow. Do I think that Satan is behind every lie that's told? No, that's an impossibility. But as the God of this age, the lies he's been telling since the beginning are the lies our culture keeps on telling and our hearts often prove to be fertile ground. As Christians, though, haven't our hearts been changed? Well, the answer to that is yes, a million times yes, and totally, totally regenerated. We wouldn't be able to confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead if the Holy Spirit hadn't regenerated our hearts. Yet, there are also works in progress, which is why we are to guard them in Christ Jesus, for they are constantly under attack by the world, the flesh, and the devil. In the culture around us, in the world around us. Like with Peter, there will be times where Satan will demand that he sift us like wheat. So, at the core, our lies, to answer this question, display a, a disbelief in God's promises to us. And we lie ultimately, and here's the hard truth. We lie because we think God is a liar. So, if that's how we lie, and why we lie, ultimately, how should we respond? Well, let me take you to Ephesians 4, where Paul answers there, when, um, when writing about who we used to be, he says that instead of being people who, who existed in deceit and craftiness, he, he says this, and you can see this behind me. Instead of that, we should speak the truth in love. Um, there's our answer. And, and both are necessary, by the way. People who speak the truth in love. As, as someone said, love without truth is hypocrisy, and truth without love is brutality. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, 6, that love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. And so what we say matters, but how we say matters too. Love without truth is not love at all, and truth without love is a clanging gong and a crashing cymbal. Jesus, John writes, came full of grace and truth. And so should his disciples. But, but being people of, of love and truth doesn't mean that we won't have to say hard things at times. But it does mean that whatever we say it be said gently and motivated by love. See, a love that is truly love, a love that is so deep to love another in that way is willing to enter places of discomfort if, if necessary. But being people who speak love in truth and truth in love also means that not everything needs to be shared. 
Sometimes the best place for things and thoughts is, you know, I got to get this off my chest. No, just keep it there. Sometimes just keep it there. Don't press send, just keep it there. Not everything needs to be shared. Being people of truth also goes beyond what we say to each other, but also to what we believe. Um, Jesus said in John 17 that we are sanctified by truth. Your word, God, your word is truth. Jesus, hear me please on this. Um, Jesus didn't say that God's word is true. Jesus said that God's word is truth. And what that means is that God's word is what all things need to be measured by. God's word is the lens that we need to view the world for his word is the only thing that answers the most essential questions of life that every, every single one of us need to answer. Why are we here? What went wrong? And is there any hope? It answers those questions. Jesus referred to himself as the truth, and he calls us to build our lives upon him for all other foundations are false and will not stand the coming storms. But as I said, we have a, an enemy who wants to question, wants us to question God. Did God really say? Can he be trusted? Why shouldn't you take a bite out of everything you see? He's holding out on you. Which is why it's just as important to speak the truth to our own hearts as much as it is to speak truth to one another. And so as we go into a time of, of response, I, I don't only want to ask what lies are we telling, but what lies are we believing? What, what lies are we filling our hearts with? In a time of response, we got to do the opposite of what Paul writes about in Romans 1 when he talks about those who exchange the truth of God for a lie. We need to, we need to exchange the lie for the truth of God. To do the opposite and come back, come back to him. When, when we respond on a Sunday, and I hope you have noticed this uh, over the weeks and months that we've been together, when we go into a time of response on Sunday, I, I always want to take you to Jesus, as I hope you know. I, I, I want to do that because all Scripture points to Jesus. Jesus himself said that, and so any sermon, in my humble opinion, any sermon that doesn't end with Jesus isn't a sermon worth preaching. Of Jesus, Peter writes this, last text on the screen. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. In Revelation chapter 1, John writes that Jesus is the faithful witness. We know that Jesus was a, a truth teller, right? When he spoke, oh, always spoke truth. Always spoke truth in love. He spoke a lot. But <laughs> there was a time when Jesus chose not to speak at all. When he, when he chose to be silent before those 
who were bearing false witness. At a time where I would cry out for justice, Jesus remained silent. And and why did he do that? He he did that for us. The, The truth that became flesh was silent before liars so that liars could become children of God. That's our sweet Jesus, and that's why we are committed to bringing you to Jesus every week. See, one of the things I hope you're seeing in this series is that for the Ten Commandments to be fulfilled in us, they must be fulfilled in Christ in us. And if Christ is in you, then you've moved from a person of idolatry to worship, a person of vanity to glory, a person of work to rest, a person of dishonor to to honor, a person of murder to life, a person of adultery to faithfulness, a person of stealing to generosity, and a person of lying to truth speaking, and as we will see next week, a person of coveting to contentment all in Jesus, and all because of Jesus, which is, again, why we need to go to Jesus every week. Why why must we be people of truth and love, Midtown? Because it's the way of Jesus. It's the way of Jesus. And everything is yes and amen in Jesus. And so as we respond, let's worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. But one last thing, and I know you're hot. One last thing as we go into this time of response. Jesus shared famously in John chapter 8 that truth shall set us free. What truth and what freedom? Well, Jesus is the truth, the word of God is truth, so that truth will set us free. And set us free from what? Well, set us free from slavery to sin and Satan and death. So that truth, that truth, that kind of freedom. But here's here's what's so tragic in the church today. That's not all that Jesus offers. Many of us have been freed from that bondage but still live in the bondage of fear and shame and bear a false witness because we're scared to death of presenting the whole of who we are. We haven't been freed in that way. We'd rather die than share the whole we are. And yet the beauty of the good news of Jesus is that Jesus knows knows you fully, fully. And he loves you completely and to the end. And, And that truth is meant to set you free, but not only spiritually, but relationally, psychologically, personally, emotionally. Jesus came to take not only our sin away, but our shame away too. Midtown, if God is for you, who can be against you? 
Do you believe that? Or do you think God's lying to you? Would you rise as we respond? Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, give us courage. Give us faith. I pray against the enemy. He's a liar. He's a murderer. He's a deceiver. Some of us have been believing lies for a long time now. We really need you to do a work in us. We really need you to do a work in us. And becoming known people, that doesn't happen overnight. It takes a long time. So I pray, I pray for all of us, for all of us have work to do in this area, that in this ministry, this would be a place where we begin relationships with people, find people where they can hear about who we are. And they welcome us just like you, Jesus, welcomed us as sinners in needing of grace. Oh, we love you. We love your word. Thanks for meeting with us today. I pray for all of these things in your sweet name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Midtown, please go to mtownchurch.ca.